Hey. hey, you're listening to Avid Research. Avid Research. Avid Research. An Australian STEM podcast where we answer the questions you never quite got around to asking. Welcome back to the show, team. My name is Amelia, and today we have yet another adventurous SciComm September special. Uh, we have four amazing people on the show with me. Obviously, you're here listening, but we've got me and four amazing medical researchers because I don't know where they all come from, but it's so exciting to have them all here. Some of them even know each other, which is pretty cool. We've got Yao Keat, Celine, Jessica, and Maria. Welcome all to the show. I'm going to start by throwing to Yao Keat. What do you do? So hi, my name is Yao Keat. I'm a basic scientist in the field of cardiovascular research. I work at the Baker Heart and Diabetes Institute in Melbourne, Australia. I guess just to go in a little bit more, I'm an early career researcher, approximately four years post-PhD with an interest in using lipidomics to find, I guess, new therapeutic targets or biomarkers for heart disease by both using small animal models and hopefully in the near future, also patient cohorts. Awesome. So not just doing some research, but also applying it, hopefully. Yes, I'm hoping to expand. Fantastic. As always, I'd like to go in further, but we have to, we have to keep going. So Celine? Hi, yeah, I'm Celine. I'm similar to Yaki. I'm also a basic scientist and cardiovascular researcher, and I study the genetics and disease mechanisms underlying a common heart muscle disorder that's called dilated cardiomyopathy, and I do that using the zebrafish. The zebrafish? Yeah, so it's a small tropical fish, which is very near and dear to my heart. I've been working with them for, for quite some time now. But we basically used genome editing technology to replicate like genetic mutations that we find in human patients. And we then put them in the zebrafish and then we study the zebrafish from there. And here I was thinking most of it happened on mice. I've never thought about like <laughs> how you could use a fish. <laughs> Don't get me started. I'll go on for days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the challenge with this format is I don't get to like go in depth and I'm so easily distracted. Okay, before I get distracted, Jessica. Hi, so I'm a basic scientist researcher and I work in pediatric brain cancer. So what we are doing is we're looking for more effective and less toxic treatments for kids with brain cancer. And we do that using patient-derived cells and also mouse models of brain cancer in kids. That's a very serious topic to be working on. Yeah, it is, but it's very rewarding because when we find new treatments they can go straight into clinical trial and hopefully help the kids that need them. That's fantastic. Awesome work. Maria? Hello. So my name is Maria and I work at the Peter McCallum Cancer Centre in Melbourne and I am a fundamental researcher, as everybody is in here. And I do cardiovascular research as well using uh, mice and zebrafish. What I do basically is researching development in the lymphatic system and as Celine already mentioned, we do as well use genome edit editing to replicate um, mutations that affect the lymphatic system. And we are focusing right now on cancer therapies to actually find out the way that we could actually hijack the lymphatic system to actually find uh, possible targets that we could use for uh, cancer therapies. And that's it. Interesting. 
And I'm a bit sort of concerned because almost all of you have referred to yourselves as basic scientists. It doesn't feel like there's anything basic about any of the work that you're doing. Celine, do you want to explain why people are referring to themselves as basic? So I guess this is possibly how we all sort of came up in science. So I think now people might start calling themselves discovery scientists as opposed to basic scientists. But when I started my career, which is still pretty early on, there was this real distinction between you being a basic, so a a lab bench scientist versus a clinician, for example. Exactly why the term basic was used, as you said, uh, I'm not 100% sure, but I think that's still something that tends to get used nowadays. But slowly, I think people are shifting towards using the word discovery instead of basic. Cool. Thank you for that, because I was a bit worried that you were all being a bit self-deprecating and like, oh, I just do basic science, not like the cool stuff. I'm like, sounds pretty cool. (laughs) So back on to the reason we're all here, which is to do a bit of reflecting on the SciComm September event where there was a bunch of uh, suggested posts and then, or prompts for posts, and then people got on board, particularly on Twitter, and then shared some posts. I was wondering if, Jessica, you could start us off with how did you find out about the challenge? So I first heard about SciComm September through the Superstars of STEM network. So I'm part of a program called Superstars of STEM, where we get scientists, engineers, mathematicians to undergo media training to kind of get more female scientists out there in the media. And we have a really cool Twitter network. And I think a lot of the superstars actually participated in SciComm September this year. So I heard about it through them. They did. Superstars of STEM program was an awesome super spreader in the best kind of way possible. And congratulations on being part of that program. That's really cool, Jessica. Thanks. Maria, I'm curious, how did you find out? I am a, I'm a Psycom hunter. <laughs> so I've been passionate about Psycom for like pretty much since I started my career in science. So pretty much I use any hashtag related with Psycom always kind of pops up in my feeds. And uh, funnily enough, the one that I saw posting was Celine. <laughs> because uh, she's also in cardiovascular research and she's, I think, in the Victor Shang Institute, which is also on my feet. And then it just popped up and I was like, oh, yeah, let's do it. And that's how I kind of jump on it. Oh, fantastic. And I love that you're now in the podcast with Celine. <laughs> I know, it's hilarious. I mean, I found it amazing and, and it's funny because I think that's one of the things I love the most about this career, that you get to know a lot of people by just mostly for their work and then when you finally actually meet them it's it's very exciting because you feel like oh my god I know you my whole life and now you're here kind of thing so it's it's pretty good getting to meet our twitter celebrities I know right it's like oh my god I've seen you great or something anyway that's how that's awesome yeah Kate I think as an opposite to Maria I have always I guess kind of lurked on twitter but I, I never really posted anything too much, maybe now and then. And then I think when it first started, I started seeing the hashtag and I saw a lot of my, I guess, fellow ECRs posting, I think at the very start, like who they were and things like that. And I thought it was really interesting because I saw, you know, a huge like diversity in the amount of people posting about themselves. I, I thought maybe it would have been a nice thing for me to sort of get in that groove of posting things on Twitter, I suppose, rather than just, I suppose, lurking. 
uh, it's very hard to break out of the lurking. <laughs> it can be quite scary. So that's awesome. I'm I'm hoping you're here to stay. I always think like, you know, nobody really needs to know about me. Like people just there for the science, right? But I think you realize that it is nice to show a more holistic view of you, your, you yourself as a scientist. Yeah. I have a lot of opinions about this, but I definitely think it's healthy for the general public and other scientists to see us as whole people, not just as like paper producers or something. And Celine, how did you find out about it since you then spread it to Maria? <laughs> yeah, so firstly, that's that's super cool that Maria found out about that through me. I didn't know that until now. So I'm like very excited and flattered by it. <laughs> uh, but how I found out was actually I was challenged by a fellow cardiovascular researcher on Twitter who was part of this SciComm uh, sort of education program that I'd been participating in over the last year called the Cardiovascular Champions Program. I was basically, you know, sort of encouraging cardiovascular researchers to get out there and um, be involved in SciComm. So just as I finished that, that year-long program, SciComm September started and yeah, they sort of, the challenge was put to all of us. So I thought this is, yeah, this is a great opportunity to use those skills. That's awesome. I love the way the different networks have sort of come together and then you got challenged and then you've inspired other people. So you, you've all just made me so happy. So nice. <laughs> I'm curious what you all found to be the most challenging part of SciComm September. Like, yeah, and feel free to take all of these questions however you wish. So maybe starting with Maria. I think for me, it's always the challenge with social media mostly is the consistency. Like I, I went halfway through and then, of course, you know, life gets on the way and then it's really hard to kind of keep up, right? So I think for me, that's, I guess that's the more challenging way, like challenging part of any of this. I mean, in general, I guess, social media, right? That if you want to be seen, I guess, or you want to really move forward, you have to really, you have to be consistent. Or in my opinion, of course, if you guys think different, that's also okay. And it, I, that's what I struggle the most, just because, you know, life in the lab gets busy and then, you know, like. You take a picture and you're like, oh, yeah, I'll post it. But if you don't do it instantly, then you forget. And then otherwise it's not more, not relevant anymore, right? So I guess that's really it. But the actually going through with it and finishing it up, it's sometimes for me at least a bit hard. I think that's totally understandable. And honestly, if I hadn't created the challenge, I don't think I would have managed to make it till the end of the month. Oh, that's so nice, <laughs> should you say, because I, I always feel so guilty. I'm like, I really want to, but you know, it's 11 p.m. And I'm like, I'm so tired. And you have to think, you know, the words, it's, I think uh, that's, I guess, as well, a challenge, but I, I'm getting better that you have a limited amount of words. You have to think about what to say. You also want it to be, you know, relatable. You don't want it to sound like you just like blabbing around, you know. So it takes a lot of that energy. And then I'm like, oh, it's 11. I can't. I'm just going to go to bed. <laughs> I think we'll always say that sleep should come before social media. Yep. <laughs> yep, I agree. I agree. Uh, Jessica, what about for you some of the challenges of the challenge? Yeah, so the challenge for me was producing content. So I found it quite easy to kind of write answers to the tweets and kind of have written content, but to make it more engaging and have things like pictures and videos I found that quite difficult to work out what would actually go with my tweets. And especially being on maternity leave at the moment, I will, I'm not in the lab all of the time. So 
you know, I couldn't go in and just take some pictures of what I was doing that day or I found it hard to kind of go back through what I already had to make new content that was interesting and would catch people's attention. And that there is a lot of pressure on social media now to move away from just text-based content, which is so frustrating because you have to write and you have to take photos and then you need to write alt text. And then if you're doing a video, you need to do your subtitles and stuff. And so you've, it's a lot of work. So did you try GIFs at all? Not really. I have, there's other people in my lab who are the queen of GIFs. I try, but it's definitely not one of my strengths. Yeah, I, th- I think one day we'll be looking at a future where people have entire classes dedicated to how to use GIFs effectively and appropriately in a professional environment. <laughs> so, Definitely. It's a terrifying thought. Uh, Celine, what about your challenges? Mine's super personal, I guess. Uh, so I'm just going to hashtag vulnerable academic over here. But I think, so I started an Instagram account for the purpose of joining SciComm September um, was something that I've been thinking about for a while, but had the courage for various reasons. But when I started it and started sharing all of my stuff for SciComm September, one of the biggest challenges of it, which is still a challenge for me, was trying to bring together my two very different worlds, like my personal world, like my personal life and my academic life, which up until recently, up until then, I'd kept really separate. I don't know about anyone else, but I always find that who I am as a person at work is quite different, I suppose, to how I am with my family and with my friends. And I've always been a little bit shy with my family and friends about sharing my day-to-day work and have always found it a little bit difficult as well, just because what I do is so niche that it, it can be quite difficult to explain. And so one of the biggest challenges for me was kind of putting myself out there for everyone to see and feeling okay about it. That's a big challenge. And it's a, yeah, finding the right combination is very hard. And it's kind of interesting that for you, Instagram was the challenging one there. Does anyone else want to jump in with any thoughts about like that whole professional and personal combination? I think I definitely agree with that. I I felt like that was also my most challenging thing for SciComm September. I feel like a lot of times Yao Keep the scientist is that kind of quiet, stoic, just get on with it and you do the science kind of thing, right? Whereas I can be, I guess, quite different maybe with people that I'm more familiar with or maybe outside of work and trying to bring the two, whether or not it's answering questions like, I think one of the questions was like, why, why STEM? And it was quite personal to me trying to talk about that on Twitter, really, because Twitter, to me, is work-related. And bringing that out, amongst other things, I guess, where, you know, my boss is on it, you know, like, my colleagues are on it, that sort of thing. It was very jarring, I think, at the start for me. But I think made it better. I was just going to say, like, it was actually challenging, which is kind of, I guess, the point of the whole thing. So that's good scary though. Did you want to jump in, Maria? Say, because I think that was my first, I also, um, as him, I did my Twitter was purely for the lab and just to keep up with, you know, what's happening in the field. And then of course, when you try to bring your person and, and I always find that, you know, like my humor is a little bit, you know, on the dark side or like I have comments or have says, and you know, like, I guess social media right now is double-edged sword, right? Like it could be really good, but 
if you sleep up, then, you know, like it comes down and haunts you, really. So I always find that that balance of, you know, like, because of course my friends, the people that know me, if I say something stupid, funny, or if it's too, maybe too on the dark side or, you know, like borderline, people are like, oh, well, that's the way you are and that's fine. But in Twitter, no, people don't know how I am, so they are not going to be as forgiving, you know. And I always find that really hard, that balance of like giving some of myself, because actually I do want people to know who I am and and, you know, I think that that's important because it's if you really want to approach me, this is the package and it's important. But also it's like, how far can you go without actually hurting for the same reason that we were mentioning before, you know, like you have your boss there, your lab, the boss of your boss, like people that would potentially hire you or people that will eventually review your papers, review your grants or your funding. So it's just a little bit more consequent, like it has more consequences. And I think that balance is always really hard to find, at least for me. Oh, definitely. And I think it will shift as, like, I think we've already seen things shift in society. We're a bit more used to people's kids, like jumping in Zoom backgrounds and stuff now. And yeah, it's it's all got a bit more blurred, especially in the last year and a half. So this is very, very interesting stuff. Did you want to jump in here, Celine? Yeah, I just wanted to pick up on something that I think a few of us have said, which is that the audience on Twitter is does seem a lot more professional in comparison to other social media platforms like Instagram, for example. So even during the challenge, I found, you know, what I was willing to share on Twitter was a little bit different to what I would think about sharing on Instagram. I think that has its pros and cons, but as Maria said, it's really interesting sort of how you compartmentalize parts of your personality to make it more appropriate for Twitter versus Instagram which, yeah, can be quite challenging. And I hope that people recognize that you know, like a scientist is a, is a whole person and, and there's, yeah, parts that we might choose to share and, and not share. And I think it's quite challenging. Yeah, I'm curious what we can do in the future to support this because, like, I, I understand the challenge and I'm I'm interested in how we can make it a bit easier, a bit less scary, that sort of stuff. Go for it, Maria. I think this is one of my, my first, um, the reason why I actually got into social media and into a site, uh, community, site com account in my Instagram actually was because of that, because I guess my, my banner of hashtags, this is how a scientist looks like, because I look the opposite of what, a, like if you look, if you Google scientist, you know, male, like white, old male, and I'm a Latino looking female, <laughs> very short, <laughs> And, you know, my skin is quite tan. So I'm like the opposite of that spectrum, right? And I always found very interesting when I tell people that, you know, I'm a, I'm a scientist, it's always, you know, like, that's something very smart. And I'm like, so I don't look smart, <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, you know, there's so many questions that I always had when people had these reactions. It's interesting because I always thought like, well, how, what to do? So, you know, like, I mean, a scientist, and, and when I look at my, around me as well, I was like, well, the image that people have of scientists is none of the image that is being sold to us, right? Like that that usual Einstein, you know, picture. And that's why I actually kind of got started my psychom because I was thinking, well, I want people and I want other, well, of course, because I'm female, I want other girls to think like, oh yeah, I can be a scientist. And of course, I think, you know, representation matters. And if, and of course, now that I'm a mom as well, I'm like... There is more to a scientist than just, you know, in the lab, somebody that just does that. Like, we have lives, right? 
And I think that's what I think I am actually trying to get across that, you know, it's not because I think as well it permeates into our, our work ethic that, you know, like if you're not all the time in the in the lab, then you're not a good scientist. If you don't do it, if you do something that, that is not in the lab, then you're not a good scientist. If you have pretty much if you have a life, you know, if you want to just live at normal hours, it's like what well, you're not doing enough. And I firmly believe that that's not the case. And I think that's why I actually got started in this uh, whole process to just kind of start shifting that view of, I am a scientist and a scientist can look however the hair a scientist looks like, right? I would think so. I'd like to think everyone on the call and hopefully everyone listening as well thinks scientists can look like any of us. Yep. I think that's a really important thing to point out. And I did personally, and obviously I know a lot of scientists, but I just love seeing how multidimensional everyone is. And I appreciate the vulnerability because it's scary. And I think there's a a lot of inertia in the culture that sort of needs to get shifted to make it a bit more inclusive and healthier, really. Very easy to say from the outside. I'm curious if uh, Psychom September has helped you at all with your work, uh, with your Psychom sort of initiatives or attempts, sorry, with your Psychom work outside of the challenge. So Celine. Yeah, I think one of the biggest benefits, I guess, of taking part in Psychom September was just getting into the habit of thinking about how I could explain whatever I was doing, you know, from the smallest thing, like the smallest experiment that I could think of to like my project as a whole, just getting into the practice of thinking about how I might explain that to somebody with absolutely no background and doing that on a daily basis, because I think Yaki mentioned before, but it's not something that we do day to day when we're surrounded by colleagues who have similar uh, levels of knowledge to us. We're using all this jargon. Whereas, you know, if I think about every day, how would I explain this to my mom? <laughs> it's a good practice that I think most more scientists should should try because ultimately, you know, it's the people who are benefiting in the end is, is yeah, you're, hopefully your mom or you know, the people out there. So having them understand what you do, even though it's so complicated perhaps to explain, I think that's been a really important thing for, for me to practice and hopefully beneficial for my career going on. That's awesome. And I think it's one of those things that the more you practice it, like hopefully it's like a little muscle, the more you work it, the easier it'll come and the easier it'll flow next time. And then your mum will just end up incredibly knowledgeable. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jessica. So I think the thing for me was that I only joined Twitter uh, this year and having the prompts there was a huge help in working out what to actually post about. Because it's kind of, it's, there's a bit of inertia. Like you think, oh, there's so many things that I could say, but what do people actually want to hear? And having those prompts every day kind of helped me focus what I wanted to talk about. And for me, this was really important. I switched fields when I started my postdoc in 2019. And just as I was about to go to my first big conference in February, 2020, COVID hit. So I've never actually met any of the people in my field bar a few close collaborators and so it's been really really useful for me to kind of put my work out there and make sure that people know that I exist because I've never met anyone from my field at a conference I've never met anyone in person but now this has been really helpful in putting my work out there and basically getting people to take notice of me and my work 
So the SciComm September was hugely helpful in that regard. That's a lot of things happening in a fairly short period of time. That's a big challenge to be working through. Yeah, yeah, it was really useful though. That's awesome. And hopefully you'll keep it up as well. That's the challenge, definitely. We'll see how it goes. And I'll ask you in a little bit how we might be able to help keep that happening. Over to you, Yaki. It helped me clear my desk. <laughs> I knew it. I knew everyone didn't have such clear desks. I, was... I think it has also really helped me weave Twitter into like my everyday sort of work life. I think before that, it was really something where, like I said before, where I was lurking. It's really something for me to keep in touch with. Papers that have come out, you know, whether or not there's something interesting that's been released, etc. But I think now through my day, I do sort of have it at the back of my mind on whether or not I could share something or show something that, you know, I'm passionate about, whether or not it's just because I want to share it or it's an interesting result or maybe, you know, that could contribute to enhancing my profile as a scientist. Even maybe outside of work, like maybe something that's a little bit more personal. It has started making me think about that, like almost an added dimension as I sort of go about my day. That's cool. I'm I'm very glad you have a clean desk. Is it still clean? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I have a lot of papers strewn about now from all the animal work that I have. There's a lot of paperwork to keep up with. Most procedure care. I am not proud of myself. Oh, no, no, no. They say mess braids ideas. At least that's what I choose to hear. That's really cool that it's added like a different way of thinking about the things that you're doing. Because in some ways, it's not just you sharing, it's sort of you inviting other people in and taking them on that journey as well. That's a lovely thing to be able to share with people. Maria? For me, it was um, a comeback. So I was in maternity leave for six months this year. And Psychom happened to happen. Uh, pardon the redundancy, as I came back from my maternity leave, it was uh, this uh, eruption in every aspect that it was in my life, the maternity leave. So of course, it was a fantastic excuse to, as uh, many of us have said, to just have a prompt and then follow it and then just start trying to, because I do like my psychom, but I think the, the hardest part of the moment is to actually find some time for it. Whereas before I was kind of doing it and I didn't find that difficult. So definitely the prompts because my brain is still is a bit like shut down. So it was gave, gave me something to actually, I was like, oh, great, that's a fantastic idea. And definitely just to give a little bit of momentum and, and, and just, okay, come back and just, you know, like have that little touch of what I was doing before and how to do it again. So that was actually fantastic. And definitely I think the, the things I struggled the most is what I just emphasize what everybody has said. There is heaps of things to share or heaps of things that I feel that I want to share, but then you have to filter. And then again, you know, just sometimes you're like, well, you know, is it worth my time to share this? And it just becomes a little bit of a clunky exercise. So this actually helped a lot to focus it and just give it a little bit of momentum, which was great. It's so cool to hear. And welcome back. And I think you did an amazing job bouncing back from maternity leave and jumping into not just science but also communicating that science that's a hard work <laughs> you are 
extremely kind with your words, but I seriously feel like I'm still kind of trying because it's a process uh, for everything. And as I said, like, I mean, of course, I'm happy with my family. So it's also that I just don't want to do those things sometimes, you know, I just want to spend time with, with my family. So I'm like, well, you know, like I just don't want to do it. So I'm still trying to, you know, like figure out, I'm still trying to figure out how to keep everything kind of in the sweet spot. But I think as well, sometimes I just come to the conclusion that it's maybe not going to happen. So just try to go with the flow as it is. Definitely. Trying to do everything and you will turn into a little blob on the floor. (laughs) I'm curious, what did you all learn during SACOM September? And feel free to take this question absolutely however you like, starting with Jessica. I learned a lot about so many other fields of science, people posting about geology and astrophysics and just like general little really interesting scientific facts that are not things that I would have ever kind of looked for myself. And I learned a lot about what other people enjoy about science. It's always really nice to see people's passion even if they're not in my field, just to see why people are excited about science. I think that's something that's great. And I really enjoyed that. And I think we're, we're living through some challenging times and having the opportunity to go in and look at a hashtag where you did see so much passion. Like for me, it was invigorating and I hope it was for you all too a little bit. Were there any particularly cool facts that you remember? Oh, that puts me on the spot. Oh, goodness. None that I can remember, but there were so many cool facts at the time. I think that was the problem, right? We all got a bit overwhelmed by cool facts. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm gone completely blank now. No worries. I asked, I jumped to you on the spot. Uh, Yaki, anything that you learned during the month? I think what really surprised me about SciComm September was two things, I suppose. One was really how much I think I learned about other scientists that you know, whether or not I, I see them all the time or maybe I, I know them from afar. You kind of just know the scientists, right? But it was nice to see them more as something that we've been talking about as a more well-rounded person and what they are like or what they do outside of work. And also just across my field and different fields, really, like how similar our challenges are, you know, despite that difference. That's awesome. I love that it's not just the general public that get to learn that scientists are whole people, but we get to learn about each other. And then hopefully, once again, we can go to conferences and that sort of stuff. And you bump into someone, there's a greater diversity of things you can talk to people about as well. Yeah. Maria, any fun facts you learned? For me, it was one. Well, uh, yes, I'm definitely on board with the well thing. Like for me, it was like a revelation. As uh, well, I guess somebody posted something about the science, the the origin of the word scientist, and she said that it was to um, name women that use witchery or something. It was it was actually very interesting. So that was also interesting. But I think for me, a little bit deeper, what I learned was because I always have trouble phrasing things. Like I either become too technical. Or I dumb down things and, and I have those two extremes that I'm really, like I battle them a lot. And just reading other people's posts just helped me, like seeing how people put things into words helped me actually to do the same. 
and to have a little bit of an overflow when I'm saying things because I complicate myself a lot. I just think and then it gets convoluted the idea and I'm like, well, you don't need to go there. So that was actually pretty interesting because I could see people making the effort of trying to get the message through and by that I actually learned how to say things that I and I wanted to say. So that was that was pretty cool, I have to say. That's awesome. Learning by observation to some extent. Absolutely, absolutely. I knew it. I knew it was beneficial for you all to see everyone communicating. Uh, Celine. Yeah, I want to echo what everyone's already said. Uh, One of the biggest things that I learned that was really soothing, I guess, is seeing everyone share more personal things about themselves and in particular things that they find challenging. So I finished my PhD or I was awarded my PhD earlier this year. And the transition into becoming a postdoc has been uh, quite challenging for me, to say the least. So sort of seeing, you know, when people who are more senior than you and people who are a bit further ahead in their career than you are sharing challenges from this time in their career, um, that sort of uh, helped me learn a lot of advice and also just feel a bit better, I guess, (laughs) about about uh, all of yeah all of my struggles at the moment but I think the other thing that I learned was more on on the psychom side or how to become more comfortable with psychom and which is something I'm still learning which is really like leaning into the fear of worrying about what you're posting and uh, what you're sharing and what how what people are going to think of it and sort of yeah leaning into the fear of messing up a little bit I suppose and still learning but it's definitely a good start through psychom September. I love that. And I personally found it really reassuring, a bit sad, but also reassuring seeing all these amazing people sharing their struggles and being like, if they're struggling, like, no wonder I sometimes feel whether it's imposter syndrome or whatever, because it felt like everyone mentioned imposter syndrome at some point. And it was somehow heartening. (laughs) That's exactly right. You feel you feel a little bit sad that these amazing amazing scientists still feel that imposter syndrome and also a little bit like oh so it doesn't go away (laughs) but but you also feel better that knowing that so many other people experience it as well yeah it's sort of a sad uh solidarity somehow so i'm curious how like obviously through psychom september there was quite a bit of momentum which was amazing and completely unanticipated from my end how can I and I guess the community at large, how can we help you all keep up the great work that you did during September, starting with Yaki? I don't know specifically what could be done, but I think the thing that I really enjoyed was the communication part of it. And and on top of that, I think one of the important things about science really is communication right that whether or not you're communicating to people within your field about your research or communication to the broader community and public and to be honest i think highlighting or maybe providing opportunities to do so would be fantastic like i would love to tell you know everybody about what i do you know why i do it and what i found and sometimes you know like only the the sort of quote-unquote cooler or sexier sort of results get showcased and you know, maybe it is a little bit of my fault as well that you know I have not actively seeked out these opportunities. But yeah, I think I would I would definitely love to be able to do that. Okay, so sort of highlighting opportunities and maybe creating them to some extent as well. Mm-hmm. Awesome, Celine. 
So I think the bottom line of, of my thought is just for people to keep engaging. I know when I was posting stuff on Instagram and even Twitter, having people ask me questions about it and, you know, or even, you know, whatever the, the reactions are, like the, the like or whatnot, that helps both spur, you know, you to continue sharing, but also gives you ideas about what people are interested in or if something didn't quite work with how you said something. And I think one of the biggest things is when you're a scientist and you do the day-to-day, which I think Yaki has touched on, you don't think of the little experiments that you do every day as something that people might be interested in. So I feel like if people, anyone, (laughs) were to be curious about it, I guess it's a bit of a tough ask, but when, when it's so, what a scientist does can be very abstract to people who don't do science. But I think if people just keep engaging and asking us questions about what it's like to be a scientist, have a career, just what we do in our day to day could be inspiring for us to share a little bit more about our life. It's definitely a two-way street because otherwise it does feel like you're just talking to an algorithm and that's not really very rewarding. No, it's not It's not particularly fun just like that. <laughs> no, no, I like it. Okay, so obviously all four of you will be liking each other's stuff, so that's, that's a start. <laughs> Jessica? I really enjoyed having everybody kind of posting and discussing one topic at a time. So I think if there was kind of continued prompts, doesn't necessarily have to be that often, like once a fortnight or something, but to get kind of the whole community discussing one issue at a time, I found it helped to kind of focus what we're all talking about rather than everyone just kind of posting about their own research. So if, for example, if, if everyone's talking about imposter syndrome all on the same day, you get kind of that momentum of posts and discussions and opinions on that topic all at once. So I think it's really useful to have those prompts come out to kind of bring us all together, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And even just like trying to go back through the previous days, like it's a bit confusing jumping between the topics and stuff. Like those ideas have their own momentum and which is really cool. So awesome. We'll work on that one, Jessica. (laughs) Maria anything we can do to support you and your psychom initiatives I was thinking about that and I (laughs) I think that this is this is good I think that definitely bringing a community and I think that's what I like about the hashtags that really like I found myself kind of looking for the hashtag just even you know like just to see what people were posting so I think definitely creating a community is the biggest thing because that's really where we where we wanna who, who we wanna engage with, right? Uh, but as well, I think uh, just to echo a little bit what people have said is just creating that discussion because I think that's what I find a little bit shallow about this psychom through social media. I guess it's really difficult that <laughs> you say something, right? And it's like you throw it to the air. Or you post something or you comment on something. And when nobody really discusses it or when you don't get any feedback out of it, you, I feel a bit empty. Like, I'm like, okay, I said this. Does anyone have an opinion? Am I, am I, you know, I'm not getting the message through. Is it my fault because I'm not actually communicating properly, which is fair enough. But it's just that balance of not finding 
that um, niche where you can actually discuss about things. And I think, as Jessica mentioned, the fact that we were all talking about the same issue or the fact that I will just look for the hashtag to see, okay, what did people say about this particular prompt? And then, of course, the ones that I got interested in, I will actually, you know, engage with them in either way or form, which is, you know, the like, the retweet, the comment, the quote, or, you know. So I think definitely that engagement and that building that community is the hardest part of social media. And if we can actually manage to do that, it gives us a strength in numbers as well, right? And then we can all feed off each other as well and kind of learn from each other. So I think that's that's actually fantastic. Thank you so much. For that Maria and I think the way you described it when you put out content and then it gets nothing back that sort of hollow or empty feeling <laughs> it's sad and it hurts it does because you put effort right and as I mean we were saying right like we put part of our personas out there we put what we do which I mean we enjoy it to some extent or depending on the day of course but you know like you enjoy it and then it's like I know that you need my, my I, I don't want to say that you don't need that reward because I am a firm, I believe that you do need the reward, but at the same time, it's like something, you know, some sort of questioning or, or am I on the right track or does everybody just really think that I'm saying something crazy and then nobody wants to, you know, like say anything. Uh, so you're in, left in this, like, in this limbo of, well, that was it. And then that's the end of it. So I think that's the toughest. That's definitely the toughest part. I think as scientists, you know, there's enough rejection in the science world as it is. I don't think we need to add to that with social media. So no, they are beautiful insights. Thank you all so much. So we need to start wrapping it up. I am now going to ask each of you to shout out to someone else who you think is doing an awesome job at science communication, starting with Celine. I have to confess that I didn't know Maria was going to be on this interview until today. (laughs) And my person was going to be Maria on Instagram because I think she's doing an absolutely amazing job at sharing her personal and professional life. Like legitimately when I followed Maria on Instagram, I was like, this is it. This is the inspo that I need. Like I'm just going to do what Maria does. So that's mine. (laughs) You're leading the way, Maria. No pressure. But. That is that is so amazing. That is so nice to hear as well because of what I just said, right? That you do things and you're like, mm, well, maybe this is just me and <laughs> I'm just going to do my my own uh, journey and then you never know how it's perceived, right? So it's very nice that you say that, Celine. Thank you so you much. You are nailing it. No worries. <laughs> oh, thank you. Really, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Fantastic. Jessica. So I'd like to shout out to Kirsten Banks, who's on Twitter and TikTok as Astro Kirsten. She does an absolutely amazing job of making astrophysics interesting. And it is also fantastic to see other Aboriginal scientists getting out there and being a role model for other Aboriginal young women who want to get into, you know, the science, technology kind of fields because there's not enough of us out there. And so it's really great to see her popularity and her awesome videos. Kirsten Banks is an absolute legend and I don't know how she does so many TikToks and makes them so engaging. She's fantastic. And if you're not following Kirsten Banks and obviously all the amazing people here, uh, you should definitely follow them and there will be links to everyone's socials in the show notes. Thank you so much for that, Jessica. She's amazing. Maria. Who do you want to give a shout out to? It doesn't have to be Celine, but you know, peer pressure. 
No, I did. I did say that you know, like it was because of her that I actually found about the whole thing, and and it's funny that yeah, just I knew her before hand anyway, so that's awesome. But thanks for that, Celine. I have to say, like I I have heaps of people that I I actually follow, and but at this, I guess at this, just because of the nature of the uh, world that we live at the moment, I actually find, and I'm not sucking, I'm being a sucker here, but Professor Peter Doherty. At this point in life, he's my kind of hero psycho because he's been uh, like doing a fantastic job with all the communication about what's happening, you know, with the pandemic. And he's coped with a lot of, uh, you know, almost abuse through the um, social media and Twitter. And, and he just keeps going. And I, and I find that very inspiring because I'm thinking, like, I think sometimes... I feel so weak that I'm like, if somebody says something ugly, I'm just going to shut down my account and never come back here. So I find him very inspiring. But look, I have, you know, science. I have the Pepe scientists, Ryan and Morris. There is a bunch of uh, people online and, I mean, of course online, but on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter that just do a fantastic work engaging and being very creative. And I'm almost jealous i'm like i mean like and, and then i'm like well of course it was so obvious like oh, duh but these people are just fantastic like um and i think that's that's what actually inspired me more about this whole journey of psychom that like all the people i follow like they do it their own way they just go like look this is me and this is how i do science and and there you have it and i'm like well this is fantastic so there is not a recipe there is not one way to do it everybody has their own you know you have of course the person that is super focused on the science and then there's people that are more related to you know what happens on the daily on lives that is related to science there is some people that focus on the news you know there is so many ways and i i find that pretty amazing and learn a lot about people um, online definitely which is amazing that's awesome and i i'm glad to hear it is inspiring you because it's the inspiration is definitely coming through, Maria. It's great. Uh, yeah, Kate, any shout outs from you? So this is going to be funny. So <laughs> I think until a couple of days ago, I didn't realize Celine was going to be on this either. So I was going to shout out to Celine because she did start a whole Instagram account just to do this like September thing. And then I found out a couple of days ago, she was like, ah, we're on the same like thing together. So I was like, oh, maybe I should think about somebody else. So on top of, Celine, who I originally thought of shouting out. I do want to shout out one of my mentors, Rebecca Ritchie. I think she has a great balance of both scientific and personal content on her Twitter feed. I think she always makes a, a point to highlight the work or profiles or and or profiles of early career researchers. And she's also a really great mentor. So I would like to shout her out. Fantastic. So everyone listening, we have a lot of high fives to give. I think there's sort of a lot of cross high fives happening with the guests and I'm going to give an extra shout out to Jessica because it's not fair that she ended up on a show where it just happened that everyone else knew each other and she's still hung in here so I think extra high five to you Jessica maybe one day I'll meet everybody else that would be so nice imagine actually doing this in person one day it's the future thank you all so much for coming on the show and sharing your amazing insights, being vulnerable, coming up with some brilliant ideas, awesome shout outs, etc. So yeah, Kate, Celine, Jessica, Maria, you are all legends. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Amelia.
Thanks so much for listening. If you like this podcast, you're an absolute gem of a human being and you should head over to avidresearch.com.au, sign up for our amazing email newsletter and get all the download on the upcoming episodes and maybe even get a bit of a sneak peek about what's coming next. If you've been enjoying this podcast, you should definitely subscribe. We're on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and even Google these days. Thanks.